0: Section 1 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 7, May 1896. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Africa since 1888, with special reference to South Africa and Abyssinia note by hon gardner g hubbard ll president of the national geographic society eight years ago i selected africa as the subject of my annual address before the national geographic society since then the nations of europe seeking new outlets for trade and possible homes for their surplus population have taken possession of the larger part of the continent they have developed Africa more rapidly than in any preceding age and have greatly increased our knowledge of it Africa and America were discovered about the same time the one by Portugal the other by Spain soon afterward the slave trade was established between the two continents to supply the place of indian labor the natives of America unable to stand the tasks imposed upon them by the spaniards having been exterminated this trade proved so profitable that england soon took part in it exchanging her products for slaves transported to the spanish colonies in america this continued for two hundred and fifty years or until the early part of the nineteenth century when the slave trade was abolished and the trade in intoxicating liquors substituted which has been to the african a greater evil than the slave trade. A recent writer says that four million gallons of the most poisonous gin and rum are imported yearly into the Nagos and Niger coast protectorates. Note Annual Presidential Address Delivered April twenty fourth, 1896 Nearly half a century ago, two or three large mercantile firms of Hamburg and Bremen established trading stations on the west coast of africa their profits were very large as in exchange for rum trinkets beads and worthless arms coconut oil ivory india-rubber and other tropical products were obtained this trade finally resulted in the starting of a regular line of steamers from hamburg to the west coast and also of one through the suez canal to the east coast prince bismarck realized that he had a most urgent problem to solve either to restrain german emigration or failing in that to keep it under the control of the empire america was closed asia was all taken his only opportunity was colonization in africa he ordered german ships of war to visit the african coast and establish consulates at different ports treaties were made with the natives for the purpose of acquiring colorable titles to large tracts of land the german flag was raised and the country declared to be under german protection these settlements are merely stations where two or three families of foreign merchants reside and outstations of natives middlemen who carry on the trade between the natives of the interior and the foreigners on the coast germany also claims the hinterland or interior country behind the stations although most of it had been regarded by the english as under their flag at the time of the uprising in egypt against the rule of england and france in eighteen eighty two france declined to act with england but soon bitterly regretted her mistake and to offset her loss in egypt she extended her dominion in northwest africa and on the gold coast and the upper niger although most of these regions had been claimed by english traders about the same time the congo free state was founded and claimed the whole of the congo valley this was opposed by both france and portugal the one claiming the country north of the congo the other that to the south thus in eighteen eighty three and eighteen eighty four it seemed that all the great nations of europe might come into conflict regarding their different claims in africa for the purpose of settling these questions and defining the rights of each country germany france belgium portugal and england held a conference at berlin in eighteen eighty four to which the united states was invited the only conference between the great powers relating to foreign affairs in which it has participated at this convention and by subsequent agreements made between eighteen eighty five and eighteen ninety five the european powers fixed the boundaries of their several african possessions it was determined that free navigation and free trade should be established for all nations within the regions watered by the congo and its affluents. a right subsequently annulled and on the zambesi to a point five miles above the mouth of the shire and free trade for transit to regions on the niger beyond british influence under these agreements england and france each claim a little more than twenty five per cent of the continent portugal germany and belgium together claim about twenty three per cent the other european powers with the boers of the transvaal and the sultan of turkey together hold about twelve per cent leaving to the Africans the desert of Sahara and part of the Sudan, about 15%. This gives to the European powers, having no right but that of might, all those portions of Africa supposed to be habitable or valuable. It has been the policy of Great Britain to allow her merchants to establish commercial relations with the natives by opening trading stations, but not until the trade becomes profitable and private enterprise and money have established the value of the trade to raise her flag claim them as british possessions and exercise governmental control the east indian empire was the outgrowth of a trading station france and germany reversed this policy first taking possession of different parts of africa establishing territorial governments and afterward offering inducements to mercantile companies to establish trading stations and in addition guaranteeing protection from the natives england as a result of her policy the flag following the trade has secured the most valuable parts of africa france holds an immense territory on the mediterranean with algiers as its capital the country south of algiers and west of senegambia and on the upper waters of the niger while england claims the niger and Benue, the only navigable rivers in africa england formerly claimed damara land and namakwa land on the southwest coast of africa but yielded them to germany reserving a small tract of land near the center of the territory Walfish bay the only good harbor on the coast and the best means of access to the interior of the german possessions england allowed germany to secure a vast region in east africa over which she had claimed dominion but claims for herself a large portion of south africa the shire and the upper waters of the Zambezi, the part of africa best fitted for the occupation of europeans she retained egypt allowing france to acquire tunis and the desert of sahara she yielded to italy the southwest coast of the red sea and south on the Indian Ocean to the river Juba, including Massawa, the most unhealthy part of the Red Sea, on condition that Italy should occupy Kassala and drive out the Mahdists, reserving also for herself the best harbors in the Italian territory on the Indian Ocean. The occupation of Africa has cost France $750 million, in italy her reputation as one of the leading powers of europe germany has failed in her colonization scheme for as a recent writer says her colonists in africa number less than one thousand and cost about two thousand seven hundred fifty dollars a year each while the only portions of africa that have yielded large returns for investments made by colonists are the regions controlled by england on the niger and in south africa the british south african company the government of these vast tracts and colonies has generally been granted to companies chartered by the governments of europe one of these companies the british south african company was founded in eighteen eighty nine by mr cecil rhodes the son-in-law of the prince of wales and other members of the nobility were made directors and officers receiving fully paid founders shares dr jameson was one of the subordinate officers the par value of the stock one pound soon rose in the market to three pounds or four pounds thus securing a handsome profit to the company's noble directors the company was authorized to acquire by any concession grant or treaty all or any rights authorities jurisdictions and powers of any kind or nature whatever including powers necessary for the purposes of government comprised or referred to in the concessions and agreement made as aforesaid or affecting other territories lands or properties in africa or the inhabitants thereof among the privileges given to it are the right to establish banking and other companies and associations to make and maintain railroads, telegraphs, and lines of steamships, to carry on mining operations and license mining companies, to settle, cultivate, and improve the lands, to preserve peace and order in such ways and manner as it shall consider necessary, and for that object may establish and maintain a force of police and have its own flag. The territory originally included in the charter of the company was many times larger than great britain but mr rose and his associates still unsatisfied penetrated into Kama's country matabaleland and mashonaland defeated Lobingula, and added a large tract to that already under british protection but still beyond lay richer lands and in june eighteen ninety five a territory called northern zambesia and nyasaland larger and more valuable than the original grant was added to the south african company this was the land discovered by dr livingstone settled by scotchmen at his insistence and here on lake Bangweolo he died the whole territory is now called rhodesia or zambesia and extends from cape colony north over two thousand miles past lake nyassa with lake tanganyika as its northeastern boundary and the Congo Free State, its northwestern, the company now claim a territory of nearly one million square miles, an area larger than Europe, exclusive of Russia. The country is very thinly populated, and the valleys of the Limpopo and Zambezi are infested by the tsitsi, a stinging fly unknown elsewhere. Its bite is fatal to the horse and ox. It seems, however, to disappear with the advance of civilization. But notwithstanding this pest, Zambesia, with its great elevation, its fine climate, its fertile soil, much of it capable of cultivation by irrigation, and its great mineral deposits, may become one of the most wealthy and densely populated portions of Africa. Within the territory of the South African Company are the richest diamond mines in the world, and just over its border, in the Transvaal, the richest gold mines diamonds india was formerly the only country in which diamonds were found to any great extent they were afterward discovered in brazil and some of small size have been found in other places the diamond fields of both india and brazil appear to be nearly exhausted the first diamond discovered in south africa was found in eighteen sixty eight near kimberley six hundred twenty miles north of cape town since eighteen seventy when mines were opened the production has rapidly increased and in twenty-five years these mines have produced more and larger diamonds than all other countries ninety-eight per cent of the present production of the world coming from kimberley these stones are found in a region about twelve miles in circumference where four small hills or pipes as they are called rise from sixty to eighty feet above the ground probably natural chimneys or extinct craters lined with walls of basalt broadening out below the surface to a great depth these craters are filled with a blue diamantiferous formation which has been forced to the surface of the ground by the presence of the subterranean gases in this formation the diamonds are imbedded in a regular order known to miners formerly the earth was thrown out from the surface until several hundred feet in depth over a large area had been removed this method of working was dangerous and expensive and now shafts are sunk at a little distance from the craters and the blue earth is reached by underground galleries the workings are enclosed by high walls within which the workmen are confined during the time of their service each night they are stripped and their persons and clothing subjected to a most careful examination the secretion of diamonds or their purchase from workmen is punished most severely but with all these precautions diamonds to the value of probably a million dollars a year are secured by the miners instances like the following are not uncommon a man escaping on horseback was carefully examined and released no diamonds being found upon him but on crossing the border he stopped dismounted shot his horse and took from the animal a small bag of those precious stones there were originally so many different claims and rival companies that their consolidation seemed almost impossible it was then that mr cecil rhodes first appeared prominently before the world through his financial genius and marvellous management The companies were consolidated into one corporation with a capital of $20 million. The net profits in 1895 are said to have been over $11 million from the sale of the diamonds. $5 million, or 25%, was divided and the balance carried to a reserve fund. The production is limited to the demand so that the market may not be overstocked and the diamond decrease in value. Transvaal or south african republic not far from the diamond mines are the richest gold mines in the world these are in the transvaal a country of from one hundred ten thousand to one hundred twenty thousand square miles two hundred forty miles from north to south and three hundred sixty miles from east to west and with a population of seven hundred thousand to seven hundred fifty thousand of these seventy five thousand are boers Note, boer is the same word as the German bauer and English boer, a peasant farmer. The ancestors of the Boers were Dutch and French Huguenots, who had with our own pilgrim fathers found in Holland a refuge from persecution for more than a generation. They left Holland about the same time that the pilgrims and Dutch sailed for America. The one to an inhospitable climate and a life of hardship, Privation and intense activity, the other to a genial climate where toil was unnecessary and where all the surroundings were favorable to life and a rapid increase of population. The one has steadily advanced, the other retrograded, a difference largely due to environment. The southern coast of Africa for nearly eight hundred miles is entirely destitute of navigable rivers, has neither harbors nor islands has only one or two open roadsteads and therefore offers no inducements to commerce nearly parallel with the coastline are three chains of mountains running from east to west the first about fifty miles from the ocean and the others from fifty to one hundred miles apart each succeeding range rising higher than the one in front of it on the coast the soil is rich and fertile producing excellent grapes yielding more wine per acre than those of any other country, though of an inferior quality. There is an abundant rainfall, and the crops are large, but the rain clouds passing over the mountains have the plateau between them dry and barren. North of the Third Range is the Valley of the Orange, various branches of which, rising to the north and south among the mountains, flow across Africa to the Atlantic. Its eastern watershed is well watered, and can be easily irrigated, but until irrigated it is only adapted to grazing. The railroad from the Cape of Good Hope to Johannesburg runs almost through the middle of the country. The land west of the railroad is arid, and the Orange River grows shallower as it approaches the sea. Only a small portion of the country is suitable for agriculture, but a large part offers, with but little labor, good pasturage for cattle all the year round. The climate is delightful, the thermometer rarely rising to ninety degrees Fahrenheit or falling below the freezing point. This country was formerly inhabited by the Hottentots, among the lowest in the scale of negro races. About the time the Boers landed in South Africa, the Bantus, the highest in the scale, were pushing their way to the south, along the eastern coast, forcing the Hottentots into the interior and thence to the west after the advent of the boers the increase in population was very slow the total number of inhabitants being only about twenty thousand when the english took possession of cape colony in eighteen hundred the english emigrants were better educated than the boers and the two races have rarely intermarried after the crimean war in eighteen fifty five two thousand to three thousand germans volunteers in that war Were given homesteads in southeastern Africa by the English. These have in the main been absorbed by the Boers. Between eighteen twenty and eighteen thirty slavery was abolished by Great Britain. The Dutch, who were engaged in trade and agriculture, freed their slaves and remained in Cape Colony, mingling more and more with the English. Those engaged in the raising of cattle, dissatisfied with the compensation offered, moved northward though still under British domination the English and the Boers were engaged in continual conflict with the natives, but the home government was unwilling to defend the settlers. The Boers were therefore compelled to defend themselves and thereby gradually became independent, roaming with their families and cattle, crushing out or enslaving the natives until they reached the Orange River in the country now called the Orange Free State between eighteen thirty five and eighteen thirty eight they settled beyond the river Vall in the transvaal here scattered over a vast area each family occupies as many acres as it desires there is no means of intercommunication save by ox wagons travelling only twelve miles a day the people are without near neighbours and there are very few towns or villages in such a community education is necessarily neglected intermingling with English Germans and Kaffirs they speak a dialect unlike either the pure Dutch or the Dutch spoken in Cape Town they live in perfect social equality with a strong sense of personal dignity proud independent neither rich nor poor but shrewd and self-willed mr gladstone has described them as protestants in religion hollanders in origin vigorous obstinate and tenacious in character even as we are in time of drought they move with their families and cattle from place to place for pasturage returning after the rains to their homes the hunting of game is an absolute necessity not only for the protection of the cattle from wild animals but for food clothing and trade in consequence the elephant lion rhinoceros ostrich and zebra have been almost entirely driven to the north when they are gone the boar will probably lose his remarkable skill with a rifle when the boars receive a summons to arms from the president they take their provisions rifles and ammunition mount their horses and are off the best sharpshooters and guerrillas in the world as the english have frequently learned to their cost especially in the battle of majuba hill where though strongly entrenched they were defeated with great loss when the boers were in cape colony and for some time afterward during their nomad life they were under english rule they rebelled at times but it was not until eighteen fifty two that they threw off the english yoke and became a free people in eighteen eighty two paul kruger was elected president and by the convention of london in eighteen eighty four the transvaal was recognized as a nation, England merely retaining the right to approve all treaties made with any state or nation other than the Orange Free State and with any native tribes outside the transvaal. The Boers agreed that all persons with their families should have full liberty to reside in any part of the transvaal and to carry on any kind of business, and such persons were to be subject to no higher taxation Than is or may be imposed upon citizens, also that no slavery was to be tolerated. If these privileges are conceded, England has no right to interfere in its internal affairs. The government of the Transvaal is nominally administered by a parliament, but the power is in the hands of Paul Kruger, the president, the grandson of a German, a stolid boer of great natural ability and shrewdness, with strong homely features, and blue eyes, showing keen watchfulness and great firmness of purpose. When Parliament is not in session, he has power to issue proclamations, which can be enforced until its next meeting, and when it is in session, he rules the members, it is said, by threatening to reduce their salaries. In 1885, gold was discovered on a ridge about 6,000 feet above sea level, near the present city of Johannesburg immigrants immediately flocked in. Today, Johannesburg is the center of a district, according to an informal but reliable census, of 120,850 Europeans and Americans, all of whom are engaged in mining. This discovery of gold has been most fortunate for the world. As the production of the mines of California fell off, the loss has been made up in the Transvaal after the discovery of the california mines the gold production of the world gradually increased until eighteen fifty three when it reached the maximum of one hundred fifty five million dollars then it steadily diminished until eighteen eighty three when it was only ninety five million dollars at this time the african mines began to supply the market since then production has rapidly increased and it is believed that in eighteen ninety six it will be over two hundred million dollars the largest amount ever mined and one-half will come from the transvaal the veins have been carefully surveyed and traced for several hundred miles and it is believed that they are more extensive than any other gold-fields in many places the remains of ancient surface workings probably hundreds of years old have been found supposed by some to be the mines of king solomon Beside the gold mines, the transvaal is rich in all kinds of minerals, especially silver, copper, coal, and iron. The soil also is very rich, and with a proper system of irrigation is capable of yielding large returns, but the farms of the boers are neglected and unproductive. The late Lord Randolph Churchill, who visited it in eighteen ninety two, wrote of it that it might be the most wealthy and prosperous spot on earth but providence has cursed it with the rule of fifty thousand boers the foreigners or utlanders as they are called desire representation in the government and claim rights and privileges to which as foreigners and unnaturalized citizens they are not entitled they assert that taxes in johannesburg contrary to the conventions of eighteen eighty four are ten times as high as in pretoria and that nine-tenths of all the taxes are paid by them that they have no right to vote or to participate in the administration of the general or local governments that they are compelled to sustain schools where all the instruction is in the dutch language in answer it is said that pretoria is a town of poor farms johannesburg a bustling growing thriving mining city with a large unruly population where taxes must be high that the foreigners are absorbing the trade and carrying away the wealth of the country and should therefore pay the larger part of the taxes that the laws give the utlanders the right to vote after naturalization and to become members of the lower though not of the higher house that the schools were established by the boers for their own children not for the english and that naturally no provision has been made for instruction in a foreign language that the utlanders came into the transvaal a short time ago without invitation from the boers without any fixed determination to remain solely for their own profit and have therefore no right to complain of laws to which they have voluntarily submitted the utlanders looked to mr cecil rhodes and his company for help and gladly promised to join any force that might be sent to their relief in response to this appeal dr jameson collected the police force of the chartered company crossed the boundary into the transvaal in the last days of eighteen ninety five to restore the transvaal to english rule but he had underestimated the strategical skill the strength and ability of the boers general joubert the commander showed on this as on prior occasions great military ability and by his quick movements put down the incipient rebellion at johannesburg and defeated and captured the english forces all south africa would have rejoiced in the success of dr jameson and england would have accepted the situation germany might have objected though we cannot see what rights she would have had for the transvaal is hundreds of miles from her possessions and the new doctrine of sphere of influence could not have applied The Boers have shown great forbearance, wisdom, and good judgment in this emergency. In time of peace, armed men invaded their country to overthrow the government. They could justly have been hanged, but at the request of the British government, the President surrendered Dr. Jameson and his men for trial, according to the laws of Great Britain. We doubt if it would be easy to find in all history an instance of like forbearance and mercy it should however be remembered that the fathers of the present boers either drove the natives from the transvaal or reduced them to slavery the higher civilization driving out the lower this country with its delightful climate fertile soil forests of valuable timber mines of precious metals and large deposits of coal will continue to draw large numbers of immigrants from england further disturbance is therefore sure to arise unless the Boers give the Utlanders the civil rights they claim, and these once secured, it is inevitable that the British flag will float over the Transvaal. Other gold veins are worked in various places on the territory of the chartered company. Buluwayo, in November 1893, the chief kraal of Lobengula, has now a population of 4,000 and is the center of one of the gold fields none of these fields has thus far proved profitable but there is every reason to believe that gold will be found in great abundance there are political movements which politicians do not initiate revolutions accomplished without statesmen or captains in these we look in vain for a mastermind acting either alone or with others not the least significant are the changes effected by the discovery of gold the middle of the century witnessed a wonderful development in the United States and Australia. Its close promises to witness an even greater revolution in South Africa. End of Section 1